morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. God's purpose for us is to take up the challenge of a mighty work. Isaiah 54 verse 2 tells us, Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. God's people have a mighty work before them, a work that must continually rise to greater prominence. Our efforts and missionary lines must become far more extensive. A more decided work than has been done must be done prior to the second appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's people are not to cease their labors until they shall encircle the world. The vineyard includes the whole world, and every part of it is to be worked. There are places which we now are in moral wilderness, and these are to become as the uh, garden of the Lord, and the waste places of the earth are to be cultivated, that they may bud and blossom as the rose. New territories are to be worked by men inspired by the Holy Spirit. New churches need to be established new congregations organized. At this time, there should be a representative of present truth in every city and in the remote parts of the earth. The whole earth is to be illuminated with the glory of God's truth. The light is to shine to all lands and all people. It's from those who have received the light that it is to shine forth. The day star has risen upon us, and we are to flash its light upon the pathway of those who walk in darkness as a crisis upon us. We must now, by the Holy Spirit's power, proclaim the great truths for these last days. It will not be long before everyone will have heard the warning and made his decision. Then shall the end come. It's the very essence of all right faith to do the right thing at the right time. God is the great master worker, and by his providence, he prepares the way for his work to be accomplished. There's a couple of things in our reading this morning. <clears throat> present truth. Every time had its present truth, and we're going to go over some of that. But God's truth, the right thing at the right time, the right faith. From our reading, it was clear that we were not meant to just ride to heaven on Jesus' shoulders, but to make a point of sharing the glory of God's truth, also called the light and the great truth for these last days. Our verse told us to, number one, to enlarge the place of thy tent, two, to stretch forth thy curtains of thy habitation, to lengthen the cords, strengthen thy stakes, it kind of reminds me of the prayer of Jabez in First Chronicles 4.10. He prayed, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be upon me. Keep me from harm so that it will not cause me pain. As the Bible says that God granted him his request. His name means he makes sorrowful. I guess his mother had a hard time with his birth and named him that. But then every time someone would say his name... It just was a reminder to him, and he was wanting something different, a different experience. God answered his prayer. 
of this one whom nothing else is ever said about in the Bible. And, you know, he's going to answer our prayers too to enlarge the place of our dwelling. You are able to follow your own line of thinking on this, but what strikes me is the line that we read about the earth being illuminated with the glory of God's truth and the knowledge that God has a special truth for each stage of his plan of salvation for the world. I should go over a couple of them. Let's think of Adam and Eve. You may think of some others that I've missed, and that's fabulous. But for Adam and Eve outside the garden, the good news was there was a lamb sacrificed that looked forward to the Messiah. God was going to make a way for them. Cain refused the, the offer. He did not accept the present truth, and he was kind of left behind as God's plan of salvation moved forward. In Noah's day, an ark was prepared, and the good news was to get on that ark. Uh, the present truth, get on the ark. The door was open for anyone, and they chose to refuse the offer. They got left behind. When Israel was called out of Egypt, God gave the Pharaoh many opportunities to know who he was and to accept him as his God as well. He refused the offer. In fact, it was even hard to get the Israelites to accept it. They almost had to be driven to freedom. So on Sinai, God offered a covenant to bring them to accept his work to restore them. They refused it. They asked Moses to talk to God and said, whatever he says we will do. So that was, in essence, refusing God's offer. So after that, he then had Moses write the ceremonial laws as a witness against them because he knew they couldn't keep his law on their own, like he said. So he set up the whole ceremonial system with the sacrifices because they were going to be continually sinning and breaking. As a matter of fact, they made a calf before even Moses got back down. And their poor promises, the new covenant was based on better promises of what God would do. They could have accepted what God said he was going to do when he spoke his moral law. They refused his offer. They took plan B. In a way, they got left behind because they could have been so much further forward in God's plan for them. They refused it. When God sent his prophets to them, they refused his messages of direction, how to have his providence and protection. They were continually having to be taken captive by the enemies. God worked, trying to work with them to come to him. But no, uh, they continued to be left behind as God's true people, which was always a very small minority, continued to accept God's requests and to move forward towards the culmination of God's plan of salvation of being his people, his church. So the other ones would get left behind. And Jesus came to give his life as an example of the glory of God's truth. That God would, the glory of God's truth is that he gave himself for us. He made, he did everything. He's doing everything. He'll do it for us now too. But they refused this. So they kind of got left behind as God's small apostolic church accepted and moved forward. God had his people in high places as the world powers came and went. To be his witnesses, Daniel was one. Babylon came and went, Medo-Persia, Greece, finally Rome. Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon finally worshipped the true God because of Daniel's witness. The others ultimately refused his offers. Rome, the last mighty power, 
though still in existence today, has been changed from a political to a religious power. It went from pagan Rome to papal Rome, even though they continue to keep their pagan practices even today. So they still refuse God's plan, and they force compliance with their counterfeit whenever they can. In fact, they're going to force the whole world before our lives are over. 1844 came, and the time for the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy of the Day of Atonement to begin. A small group of believers followed Jesus into the next phase of his plan, and all the rest were left behind. They lost much because of it. But we are living, and many of them have gone back to Rome, and they're called the fallen churches. We're living in the time of the last message of mercy to the world today, the three angels' messages of Revelation 14, 6-14. And although in total there are seven angels, these three, actually including the fourth later, but these three give God's last message of mercy to a dying world. Verse 14 is Jesus coming in the clouds. The fourth angel appears in Revelation 18, 1-4. And is the second angel's message repeated to call all God's people out of the fallen churches? Fallen because they went back to Rome in their beliefs. We're not going to study the three angels' messages today. I just wanted to uh, share those things. And so today, we want to be careful that we are not left behind. Let's study those messages and find out what all they share with us that we need to know. There's a warning in Revelation 18, verse 4. Come out of her, my people. Be ye not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not of her plagues. And there's a promise of Revelation 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, that was Jesus, and his wife, his people, hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Oh, wow. Um, the Lord gave me this study this morning, and it may not be complete, but I invite you to continue it if you are so moved. But I wanted to share a song by Christian Berdahl, The New Jerusalem. I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's four minutes. I'm going to let him sing, just say the first verse. Okay, and, and he's going to do it honor, so I'm going to play it for you. One moment, please.
Dear Heavenly Father, we look forward to that day when you, at the end of the thousand years, bring the new Jerusalem to this earth, bring everything to a close, and make everything new, and you will walk with us, and we will see you face to face. This morning I pray for those who are here with me, that they will be there among your people to be a part of your bride, clothed in linen, clean and white. Thank you, dear Jesus, for your righteousness that you will freely give us so that we can be clothed in your righteousness and be among this group. We pray these things in your name. Amen. I invite you to join me again tomorrow morning for another study. Have a wonderful day, brothers and sisters.